welcome back to Just Chatting. My name is Mottgarten, and I'm your host of the podcast. And some exciting news from this week, um, it's my birthday tomorrow by the time this releases, uh, May 20th, which is super exciting. So um, I will be doing a 12-hour stream for that, and we're just going to hang out gonna be a good time i'm gonna have balloons so hopefully we'll see some of you guys there i also got a message from somebody asking me two questions uh which i thought would be good to answer on here one of them was what is your favorite game that you have played recently uh it definitely has to be gree gree was a fantastic game just absolutely beautiful the music is perfect i love listening to the soundtrack that game is just amazing I bawled. <laughs> it's so good. Um, Gree's really good, and I've also been playing Sekiro. Sekiro is incredibly hard, but so much fun. So I've I would highly recommend playing that, especially everyone says not to compare it to Soulsborne games. Um, in my opinion, it's similar. Of course, the fighting is very different, but I think if you like the Soulsborne games, I think you will like Sekiro as well. So highly recommend that. Really, really good. And it's my favorite game for a while. Also, it's kind of become a joke that I'm pronouncing Sekiro Sekiro? (laughs) incorrectly. So my apologies if I'm butchering the name. Uh, The second question is asking how tall I am. I am 5'9", 5'8". I don't really know. I haven't measured myself in quite a while. I think with my bad posture, I'm probably 5'8 now. You know, nerd sitting all the time at a computer. So... (laughs) I'm somewhere in there, somewhere like that. This week's episode, I'm so excited for for this interview. I absolutely love talking to my friend Drew. He is the owner of UU or UIU, the gaming organization, and it was so fascinating to get a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look as to what he deals with and just kind of what gaming orgs do and what it all entails, so I really hope you enjoy it. Here's our interview with UIU Drew. I hope you love it. Hello, Drew. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Mom? Good, good. Do you prefer being called UU or Drew? Drew, for sure. Okay. Uh, UU or UIU is the organ name, so it's kind of... It's tricky because that... Um, that Twitch ID I use is kind of our orgs one, which got verified right. and everything and partnered and everything. But that's been my Twitch for like six years, probably. I just changed the right. name on it once the orgs started. Um, and I had all my sub streaks and everything, so I didn't want to lose that account. So I still use that account. But um, it's always a mix up for people when they realize it's an org or something like that. Um, what's yeah. it called? But yeah, Drew. It's fine. Yeah, that would be unfortunate to lose all your sub streaks if you. I have you some that are pretty name. long. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even yours on mine is pretty long now. What's the longest one on your channel? Um, I think we're up to twenty six months now. Mm. I'm pretty sure because that's when I got partnered. Um, so those are all day one subs. So. I think I have a forty something. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's such a long time. It really is. Yeah. That's yeah, a it's a long time to commit to uh to people. <laughs> I don't even think I watch um it's actually uh it's a FGC like streamer from Japan who does a lot of the tournaments. So I kind of just support him and what he does. 
I don't even get to watch his channel that much, but uh okay. Like yeah. he does casting? He does casting. What he'll do is he'll bring his streaming setup to like arcades and stuff that the, wouldn't usually get the coverage and kind of give exposure to these Japanese players. He runs a weekly now too out of the Red Bull sphere in um Tokyo. But oh, wow. um yeah, he started going over there as an English teacher and he ended up becoming really influential in helping the English audience and the Western audience kind of see some of these Japanese fighting game players. So, um, wow, yeah. so cool! Shout out What's to his anime anime Illuminati. Okay, shout out to Giuna. That's that's the guy who runs it. All right, that's super cool. Yeah, yeah I I think my longest is to my friend Keonte on Twitch. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm at though. I think it's about forty months as well. It's crazy how yeah. it just adds up over time. I know, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's very cool, though. So you're, like, super into uh, fighting games. Yeah. Right? I mean, personally, I definitely am. And then also as an org, that's kind of where our roots are. But uh, growing up, I played all kinds of games. Uh, I think my favorite games were actually RPGs. So I think my favorite game of all time is either Metal Gear Solid 2 or nice. Star Ocean 2. Which I, I recently saw there's like a there's like a meme going around where it's like name your ten favorite games or not a meme. You know, one of those quote tweets. Oh yeah. And I saw someone else had Star Ocean two at the number of their at the number one of their list. So I gotta I gotta hit up that person. I don't even know them. But it's a really <laughs> uh it's a little bit more of an obscure like PlayStation JRPG. Okay. But what I loved about that game was um the decisions you made, it's kinda like Bioware games, I guess, uh affected down the road so like if i chose oh, i love to, that yeah so i i actually had to restart the game because i got so upset because there's this really cool character i knew about down the road who i wanted to get onto my like squad or whatever but if you choose to be friends with someone at this one point and help him out then that guy won't talk to you and that was like at the time mind-blowing for me how old was i maybe like nine or ten i'm like wow i made a decision like weeks ago that now is gonna ruin the rest of my gameplay yeah yeah and um, i love that that stuff yeah bioware games are like also some of my favorites over the years stuff like that Mm -hmm. but um in terms of fighting games i have a pretty deep connection to them from when i lived in japan i went to the arcades a lot oh right when were you living in japan so i lived in japan um 2000 1999 through 2001 wow so i was in like fourth fifth sixth grade that age so it's like the perfect age for a a a boy to be in japan tokyo with all the (laughs) all the arcades all the toys it was amazing um yeah i can imagine it's an international school but in the summer i would go to a uh japanese school so i would get to go to all the arcades with them and and kind of uh i really have fond memories of arcade culture and also just fighting games were like a big a big deal with my friends group there so um i was never good though and especially (laughs) because in arcades you get matched up with other people in the arcade so there's people there who are like they've probably been playing street fighter since street fighter 2 or street fighter 1 right yeah they just spend a lot of time practicing yeah so i didn't even know how to throw like the the hadoken the fire fireball and this is before like it was really easy to find stuff on the internet and yes. and you'd have to just to learn. do it through by word of mouth and because i didn't yeah. speak japanese like i can't ask them like how do i do that uppercut move that you keep doing on me 
And sometimes oh, no. also even even today, like sometimes people won't won't teach you, right? Like they want you to right. learn yourself. But um at least there's Google now. <laughs> yeah, there's YouTube. Like you can YouTube everything, you know? Yeah. You can learn every and also watching streamers too. That's a big a big way to learn games now. Absolutely, yeah. Except in my stream. <laughs> no. I don't no, know what I, I'm doing. <laughs> no, no, no. I think like uh, you know, watching watching playthroughs of games is really fun. And it provides you with like a kind of a trial of if you want to actually go out and get that game. Yeah. Which is great for the entire ecosystem. Like it's great for the publishers. It's great for the gamers. Um, it's great for the streamers. Obviously, you guys have content and stuff to, to play. Yeah. I think it's a really healthy like thing that should be more pushed if it's not already at developers end. Yeah, no, I think it's it's a really good symbiotic relationship because even if you get um, like early access to games and mm -hmm. stuff, then people are going to want to come and watch you because, you know, it's early access and they can't watch it anywhere else. Yeah. And, you know, they get advertising as well. So it's it really is a just great, great system. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I honestly think developers currently or it's not even the developers it's like the suits undervalue streamers a bit in terms of what yeah. they do for game sales. That's obviously changing rapidly when you look at something like Apex Legends and the effect that them, I don't know, you know, like there's rumors out there. I don't know if it's it's true, like, uh, you know, how much they paid or not. People like Shroud and uh, Doc and yes. uh, Ninja to play Apex. But obviously, like something like that gives you a massive leg up. And that game's really good too. Yeah. So it, that helps. Yeah, the rumor game. I think is a million dollars they got paid yeah. to play it on release day, which is insane. Yeah, but when you think yeah. about it, um, the report that came out like last week is that they've made $95 million in wow in profit already. So that's like, you know, money made back real quick. Yeah, yeah. It obviously worked out well for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that game just took off. It's really incredible like i saw just a few people streaming it mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden everybody was playing it and i don't know i you know i honestly still haven't played it because the day i was going to it the servers were down but everybody just is in love with that game it's grown it's so fast that so i've been traveling i haven't been back in atlanta which is technically like my home right now i haven't been back in like my my own bed for two days in a row since november I'm oh just traveling for esports stuff and meetings and stuff like that. But um sounds exhausting. <laughs> so I've been away the entire entirety of that game's launch and I can't play that game on my current laptop. So Right. Uh, maybe I could, but I don't really I don't really want to test it. So <laughs> uh I really want to play that game, but I can't. Um but I've been watching it and we actually just picked up a, a pro team for that. So, oh wow! Yeah, congratulations! Yeah, that'll be announced by the time this podcast is out. So, yeah, yeah, very cool. So, what is um, UU or UIU? Uh, like, what does it stand for, or what? What is um, it just what? What do you do? Like, sure. it's a an esports organization, but yeah. So we like to think that it's beyond just an organization. It's a, like kind of a lifestyle brand, and. I know a lot of people actually say that nowadays, but um, originally our idea was, and and me coming from a background in uh, music production and also being very interested in various forms of media, I saw Twitch early on as not just a way to get game 
gameplay and um, like the kind of streams that were dominating out to the public, I, I thought, why couldn't this be used as a platform for any sort of content that people are making with audios and video to a wider audience? So I really was trying to work with some people at Twitch behind the scenes, like making connections with partnerships people to try to bring non-gaming content on. I worked really hard to try to push music, but that's actually really hard due to the legality of it. And copyright and all it's that, like right? It's like almost impossible. I mean, I think someone will yeah. figure it out eventually, but yeah, it's really hard. I My idea was like, we're playing these DJ sets at these parties. We could just set up like a webcam and a stream setup. It would be really cool to allow people to experience this. Um, they actually did it, they did do it for Ultra Festival, but that's a big you know, deal that they probably cut with them. It's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, one thing I actually did help uh, with was getting pro wrestling onto Twitch. I worked with, yeah, I worked with the Wrestle Circus. They're still on Twitch. Uh, They were the first promotion to get partnered. And then uh, the partnership manager, her name's Ashley. She kind of does like a lot of the creative stuff. Wow. Um, But she was a wrestling fan. And I was just kind of talking to people at Twitch. And I was like, you know, there's these indie promotions out there that don't really have a TV deal or any way to get their content out there. Would you guys ever be interested in pro wrestling? Cause I'm a big fan of pro wrestling. And so I was working with a lot of that stuff and that was all me just being really interested in this new frontier of content distribution along the way, being a gamer and seeing how these things were going and knowing about esports. I I've known about it since like the Starcraft days kind of. Um, and, CSGO, obviously, but I never envisioned really starting an org. I thought that that was such a, well, one that it would take all my time, which it does do. <laughs> uh, but I thought that it was something that was like kind of far from my interests. But what I wanted to do originally was create the content that kind of went in between the esports competitions. So I think that like to this day, any CSGO major or, uh, it, the worlds for for you know league or league league play or anything like that i think you see like 60 percent or 70 percent of what actually the experience is and so i wanted right. to help provide the other 30 percent whether it's like the players perspectives on things like behind the scenes i think irl like has a big opportunity to do a lot of this and yeah. i've worked with twitch a little bit to do some of this with fighting game tournaments and just go out to korea with like the Switch backpack and Japan, we did some stuff to really try to show more of what esports actually is outside of just what you see on the competition streams. And I think that's yeah. really important for people to know so that they can understand like what it would be like to go to these events. I agree. Building the personalities too. So that was the original idea, just to be kind of like a a a, a studio, maybe like the MTV right. of of this esports generation. Oh, that's such a cool way to put it. Yeah. And originally, yeah. you know, they started with like music videos, right? That's like what they did. Yeah. But then they ended up being like a cultural hub for people who are interested in music and that kind of culture. So, um, yeah, that was originally kind of what idea. you were saying with lifestyle kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then also the, clo- the clothing, um, you know, our CEO who, I ended up, uh, you know, getting partnered with um, our CEO has a background in fashion design at Ralph Lauren. Whoa. She also then went on to do like tech startups and stuff like that. But 
we wanted to kind of shake up the meta, the clothing meta of esports, which I think we've done, at least in the FGC. We did event-specific um, designs. We never put people in like hmm. the kind of soccer jersey stuff originally. So like for the event we had in Chicago called Combo Breaker, we made an homage to Michael Jordan. We did like a bull, like a demon bull on the front. We put 23 on the back end, goat, like greatest of all time. Um, oh, okay, we went, cool. Went down to, we did like a racing shirt when we went, went down to Daytona, like a wow. ra- racing stripes and stuff. We've done um, origami style designs for uh, the thing we did in Japan. So we, we've wow. done like different so designs cool. for each event. Um, now we do have a standard like pro jersey, especially with moving into games like Call of Duty. But mm-hmm. uh, to go backwards a bit, I guess, it ended up becoming really evident that the best way to make content and to help kind of get involved in the scene was to actually support the players too. And you just end up meeting so many great personalities, um, especially in the fighting game community, who all they really needed is like it, a shot. And by a shot, all they really need is like travel to an event. We started off with one player who was really close to qualifying for the Tekken World Championships. And he was just like a few points off and his last sponsor had dropped him. And I was like, I oh, could no. I was like, I could buy that plane ticket. So yeah. why don't I buy that plane ticket? And then he represents the brand I'm trying to build, which was UIU. And from there, what happened was people then saw him qualify for worlds using that tag, then assumed we are an org and we started getting inbounds. And then it's kind of like from there. Wow reassessing how it could look if we were an org the next player we Mm. picked up was a korean tekken player named john ding who last year the year before didn't travel much but when he did travel he did really well and he's roommates he was roommates with the two top tekken players who were both on echo fox at the time and i spoke to their manager who said like this guy um around korea he's known as like a really good player who's just never had the shot and he's living with like the number one and number two player in the world right now and he's obviously training with them and taking games off of them so we gave him a shot and it was kind of hard to convince him to join a new org especially him being korean and like us being from america Mm. but he took he took a chance on us and we flew him to basically every event on the Tekken World Tour almost. And he ended up number, number two in the global rankings last year. Wow. Um, he won C- CEO, which is one of the biggest, three biggest tournaments for fighting games, I'd say. And we saw that kind of success with another, like a number of players we signed who didn't have the chance. And wow, yeah. We did a That's lot incredible. Of, yeah. And we did a lot of scouting based on personality and on not picking the number one or number two or number three players and paying a lot of money for them, but going for the people who hadn't had that shot yet and trying yeah. to build them up. And that's always been a core part of our DNA as an org is to, we want you to stay with UIU for as long as possible, obviously. Um, but we know the reality of esports and, and how things go. At the end yeah. of the day, I want everyone to leave with a better set of skills, um, whether it's competitively um, whether it's your social media know-how, streaming know-how, if you're not already streaming, you know, um, content creation, even business stuff, I help them like you know understand the importance of 
of building their own brands because at the end of the day, like their brand is so important. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that a lot of uh, pros in these things don't really do and they just kind of go and expect, you know, people to just follow their Twitter and stuff without really trying. And I think it's important to to stream and like, you know, get your name out there and really keep up with the with the times in terms of that. Cause yeah. otherwise when you if they get cut from the org or whatever, then they just have nothing after that. Yeah, and there's like a you know, there's a no one knows how long their career is gonna last in esports also. There could be mm-hmm. injuries or the meta could change so drastically that you no longer fit into it or the actual games that are popular could change, right? I, I want all these guys to have careers after their competitive career too. Yeah. And I think it's super po- possible for any pro, like if they if they start now, and I think we've seen it with um, a great example is Nadeshot, who owns 100 Thieves. Uh, he's a ex-Call of Duty pro and he, you know, retired from Call of Duty probably still at a time when he could still play to go into content creation, become a YouTuber. And I mean, now he owns hundred thieves and a lot of that is probably mm. based off of the fact that he built this brand for himself Yeah, and built value for himself. So I, I really do. And I, with all of our players, um, want to give them all the tools to succeed, not just competitively, but holistically kind of, which I think sets us apart a bit from some orgs. It does make it a lot more hands-on at times. Right. Busy, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, busy. Yeah. And we're still running pretty lean, like um, in terms of staff and stuff. Right. And we're at that stage where we're we're kind of ramping up now. But um, yeah, it's been a great, it's crazy, like 18 months, I guess. Yeah. Oh, has it only been that short? It's been that short, yeah. Whoa, Okay. I thought um I thought it had been longer than that. No, me too. And then I look at like I look back at the contract dates or like when we incorporated and stuff and it's been 18 months. Wow. We've well, been... congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. I definitely kind of get that feeling from you in terms of being close to all of your partners and all that kind of stuff cuz I feel like you really do put in that extra effort mm-hmm. and like I've seen how you interact with people in the community and stuff. And I think it's a really positive thing that a lot of people should be trying to do because I was dating a Counter-Strike pro Mm. and seeing, you know, a lot of that stuff with how they interact with their orgs. Mm -hmm. Some of it was positive and some of it was not positive. So I think a lot of it needs to be, you know, a lot more personal because if you, if someone's your boss... Mm-hmm. You know, you should have a pretty like one-on-one relationship with them because yeah. you need to know what they expect from you and all that stuff. And I think that's maybe a very lacking thing in a lot of these orgs. So yeah, I I think our our smaller, relatively smaller size right now helps with that too. You know, right? I I, I they all have my personal cell number and stuff, and so they're allowed to hit me up at any time, and you know, we can talk through things. I'd much rather them bring up like problems or anything like that ahead of time and we can kind of work through it and talk through things and or even just plan towards their future. Like, you know, one of the things that we always ask on our recruitment calls, even when we already know we're going to sign them is what are your goals for this year? Where would you like to be at this time next year? And how do you think that we can help you get there? You know, and 
what what like we want to see kind of their vision for themselves which i think is uh, there's a lot of players who just and i understand it and and i think i respect it too that they just want to compete and they just want to win and they think mm-hmm. that's the only part of the job which to a certain degree i guess it it is yeah the most important part but there's so much that goes into it also it is a business and it is you know they are at the end of the day also missing out on a chance to capitalize on once you're a pro in a lot of these games you're missing out on the chance if you're not like capitalizing on whether it's streaming content creation um even mm-hmm. just having being active on twitter and like interacting with fans and stuff those are people yeah. who are going to support you from team to team from org to org um, yes, and even absolutely. Past, even past your pro career, I, we've seen some really successful transitions. Shroud is a great example. You know, mm-hmm. he was a CSGO pro for Cloud9. Now look at where he is at. There's also Courage stream. on an uh, Optics stream team, I believe. Yeah, he was a caster, you know, for Call of Duty, and now he's doing really great for himself. So there's a lot of good stories like that. Um, yeah, well. I think there's yeah. you're right that people really do like the the person and the player. Mm-hmm. So like if somebody was with you guys and then they went to I don't know Cloud Nine, they would yeah. switch teams that they like because they like that player. So I think it's yeah. really important to have that fan base built up where they the people will come with you along your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that a lot now there are a lot of people who maybe are feel a little entitled and think that they should just get that automatically. And mm-hmm. I don't think they're willing to put in the effort. So, yeah, you know, there's so many games now where everyone's like, oh, I'm a Fortnite pro and I'm a, I'm an Apex pro and all this stuff where yeah. they just kind of say that and they're like, why, why am I not Shroud yet? You know? Yeah. You got to put in <laughs> the work when at the end of the yeah. day, it's crazy how many imbalance I get uh, for Fortnite pros. Oh, do you have a Fortnite team? No. I mean, like we've we've looked into it. We're still looking into it. I, I kind of want to go more the uh, stre- streamer influencer route with that, right? If yeah, if we are to pick up someone, but that's probably our number one inbound is like I'm a Fortnite pro free agent, and I kind of always ask them like, could you send me some reasons why you believe you should like? It's crazy how many people send just a sentence or a paragraph, right? If you're mm-hmm. interviewing for a job. I get some really good ones too. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to say that I don't. Where they have like a full cover letter <laughs> and resume and stuff with achievements nice. and clips. That's good. It, that's the best way, by the way. Like so, a cover letter explaining why you think you're a good fit for our org, what you've done um, in the game, kind of like a a version of a resume, an esports version of a resume with with like some achievements that you have, some references, and then like clips or or even if you have a montage or something like that. That's the right. best resumes we've gotten. And we've signed some people for sure based off of just their email resume and then an interview follow up, of course. Right. Well, it's a business. They should, you know, if you're applying for a job, you should be doing all of that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Even if you're the the best player in Fortnite or in any game, you need to have some professionalism. <laughs> yeah. And still treat it like a professional, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. That's crazy. So how do you actually pick who you're going to pick up for your org? Mm. Is it through interviews or like what do you really take into account? So it varies from game to game, obviously. With fighting games, we were able to be very selective in terms of personality. 
X factors like charisma and stuff like that, because we really, that's a one-on-one game. And I kind of view that more as like a WWE or a UFC more than it's like a team sport because it's one-on-one, first of all, fighting games. And then you really have the chance to elevate a person's individual aspects. Whereas on a team, like there's an identity to like FaZe Clan CSGO or Astralis, right? There's like an identity to that whole team, even if there's superstars on it. But in, in fighting games, there was the opportunity to really like highlight certain aspects of people's personalities, their interests and stuff, and lean into that and help brands alongside that. You had to be able to like compete with the best of the best, but we didn't necessarily look for people who were, like I said, the number one and number two player in the world. We were looking for people who had the opportunity on any given Sunday to break into that top eight or that top 16, right? And right. and then the more important aspect of it at the time was what they could bring as personalities and as ambassadors for the brand. And going back a little bit to an earlier point, like a lot of people ask when they're applying or or even once they've joined the org, like, well, what can UIU do for me? Like, how can you guys help me? Which is a big part of what we do. We're trying to help them. But it goes back to like that JFK quote, like not ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I almost messed that up, I think. Maybe I did. Um, But it's kind of like, don't just ask what UIU can do for you. Ask what you can do for UIU. And if Mm -hmm. you are doing stuff to help us, um, it's actually going to help you too because the bigger that UIU gets as a brand and you're attached to that, it helps your own brand. So it's like, also, it makes it easier for us to kind of sponsors who come to us and say like, who should we pick for your team for this ad or, or whatever it is, this campaign. It's the people who have been doing stuff and have been kind of pushing the UIU name and the brand and doing their work and not just um, putting in the bare minimum. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of factors that go into it. But once we right. exited out of that, or not exited, once we entered into the new, new expansion, which was uh, our first team title, Call of Duty, which we're currently in the pro league. Uh, we qualified nice. for that. Yeah, we qualified for that. Wow. So we're one of the 16 teams in there. So cool. It's re- it's really been a, a awesome, awesome ride. Um, that's yeah. a little bit different because that's very performance-based. Right. And a lot of that comes down to team chemistry, especially in this version of the game. Teamwork is very important. So a lot of those decisions are more not just the org's decision. Um, it's kind of what well, we found an initial, you know, group of five, but as roster changes happen and stuff, we let the roster or the team uh, really make those decisions and come to us and explain to us why they think certain changes need to be made. And obviously we hold the final veto, but, you know, I trust a lot in our players and Mm -hmm. also our coach to kind of lead us in the right way because they know the game and they know what's going to make them better and they want to win. Yeah. You know. And if they if you throw someone onto their team that they all hate, then they're just going to you know. Yeah, that won't you can't do, do anyone that. any good. You can't do that. I mean, actually <laughs> yeah. in the qualification, there were a few super teams that were put together by new I, I don't want to throw any orgs under the bus, but like new people <laughs> new orgs, not new orgs, big orgs that were trying to create like super teams. 
And this Call of Duty qualification process showed that a lot of amateur teams, quote unquote amateur teams that had been together for a while um, and practiced together and had really learned this game together, they kind of shocked a lot of people and like hmm. really kind of shook up the scene. Like FaZe is not in the, and they're not one of the teams I'm talking about. FaZe had their old roster, but FaZe didn't make Pro League this year. And, oh wow! And there was like a group of three amateur teams, us being one of them, that made it into the pro league this year. So hmm. that's crazy. I think there's an importance <laughs> on like, yeah, not just you know throwing together the biggest names possible. Yeah, well, it goes back to what you were saying about taking a chance on other people that might not have been in the spotlight otherwise. So I think that's a good, a really nice, nice thing. Yeah. Yeah, because you never know. And that's happened with Counter-Strike, too. Um, people, orgs picking up, like, really young guys who haven't really had a chance yet, and yeah. then they just completely destroy everybody. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a really interesting way to look at it. Instead of just taking the, the usual names that everybody knows, yeah. it's a good... It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice... It's really rewarding to see their growth, too. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. Yeah. And and yeah. to be honest, from the business side, it's also like cheaper, <laughs> so that right. also helps out. But as they grow and develop, like it's it's amazing to see. Kind of, it's great to see people who never had that chance really to to shine on the main stage get that chance mm-hmm. versus the people who have already been there. And I think that there's like yeah. a lot of people with like something to prove. I think that there's like an X factor in that and. Yeah, in the pro league qualification, we really saw that. Like a lot of these amateurs had something to prove, and they mm-hmm. brought the passion and the fire, and it was just great to see. Right, that's so lovely. I imagine they appreciate it a little bit more too. Yeah, I feel like yeah. once you've gone through so many tournaments, I think the not that they don't appreciate it, but I'm sure it's in some regard the spark wears off a little bit, you know. So I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. So what all games do you have teams in now or players? Uh, so so right now, so fighting games is still our biggest like portion. So we have uh, okay. we have players in Street Fighter Five. There's actually a major going on right now in NorCal, NorCal Regionals. We have like two players out there. Nice. Uh, NL and Oil King from Korea and Taiwan, respectively. We have four players in Tekken, two from Korea, two from Japan. We were in Dragon Ball Fighters, which was like a phenomenon last year uh, of a game for the fighting game community. We are also in some of the other, like, they're called anime games. They're made by the same people who make the Dragon Ball Fighters game. It's called Arc Systems Works. Okay. It's games, like, it. it's games like Guilty Gear, Blaze Blue. They have a very distinct, like, look to them uh, and play style. They're very, obviously, big in Japan, but um, we have a player in that as well. And then we're in Call of Duty, uh, the pro team there. And then we just entered into Apex. Nice. And there's a few more things. Like, so after the first year of UIU, we had really done a good job at getting sponsors and, and bringing new sponsors into the FGC. And we were really able to run the org, like could have run itself based on sponsor money for um, FGC only. So it gave wow. us a chance to really look at what our next step was going to be. And yeah. we like looked into a lot of games. Um, 
I know you love Counter-Strike. I actually really want to get into Counter-Strike, but that's like a longer term play because yeah. you need you need you need money to get the yeah. to get into that, right? You can't just jump in. Definitely. I mean, I you could be in like, you know, Mountain Dew League or playing like ESCA type stuff, but um yep. but with Call of Duty you we saw go go big. Yeah, yeah. We saw an opportunity <laughs> that we had a chance to actually get into like playing against the tier one organizations. Like, oh, nice. like we just played this week against Envy United. You know, we've played against Optic this year, almost beat Optic. Wow. Our first game of the <laughs> trial by fire, our first game of Pro League was against Optic and it went to final game or final game, final map. Whoa. Or final map. I don't know about final game, but it went to final map. So Right. Um, That's exciting. Yeah. So Call of Duty was our, our kind of calculated expansion and it made sense for us. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll get such a like you'll get your name so much more out there because like for me, I don't really know fighting games at all. Yeah. But like I know Call of Duty. So you'll get all the people that know that don't really follow any of the fighting games. So you're really branching out with your your name and your brand now, which is awesome. Yeah. And I think doing that, I think that Call of Duty has going back to again, speaking about like people building brands, those pros have done some of the best jobs of building brands. I think there was a uh, thing that came out about the top 10 esports, like the most talked about esports people or pros, and five out of the 10 were from Call of Duty, which doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. If you look at the numbers, like League of Legends, Counter-Strike, Dota, and Overwatch, like viewership-wise is so much bigger, and other games right. too, that there shouldn't be half of the top 10 most talked about pros being from COD, but they've done such a good job building their brands. People yeah. like... People like uh, Scump, Nadeshot, Crim6. A lot of them come from Optic or Phase, Clayster. They're just, hmm. yeah, they're just, they went through a really good period of all establishing themselves on YouTube and, and really making sure that they had a brand. Yeah, because I, I don't really follow the pro COD scene, but I know a few of those names. Yeah. I guess just from, you know, talk and all that. So yeah. that's interesting. So would you say, you kind of focused on fighting games because of your past history and just how passionate you are about them? Or why did you kind of pick that to start? That played a part into just my being able to understand it quicker. But um, in terms of why we got into it, it's a very diverse scene from the competitors to the commentators. It's truly international. Like the top players come from Asia, come from... The Middle East has top competitors. Um, Europe hmm. just won the last world championship for Street Fighter for Evo. North America, it's like a very even playing field. Like it's not like CS:GO where NA's been like dormant for so long. Like we have such diversity there. There's also diversity amongst like um in terms of race, in terms of um gender is a little bit less less diverse, but um we're getting right. there. <laughs> <laughs> the LGBT community is well represented in fighting games. Um, oh, wow. So we love like the diversity of it. And there's really an attitude of anyone can play. You just got to you gotta bring it, right? It comes from the arcade yeah. mentality. Like anyone can step up to the cabinet, put up your quarter. And if you can play well and you can take out the top guy, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what background. And I really like that like mm-hmm. attitude. That's and cool. it was also... It was also easier, like I said, to work with just one person at a time and to kind of tailor yeah. tailor make things to their personality and to them. Instead of a whole team full of people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I also have like a, 
personal connection to like martial arts. My grandfather is a ninth degree black belt in Taekwondo. So I've been to Taekwondo tournaments my whole life. I got my black belt when I was like 10, I think. Um, I don't compete anymore or anything, but there's a lot of similarities, a lot between a fighting game tournament and a like martial arts tournament. Hmm. Open bracket, you sign up, one-on-one competition, you know, throughout the day, and then you get to the grand finals. And so it was easy to understand. I think that fighting games are like due to 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 have a boom some someday soon, hopefully. Yeah. I really think they're exciting to watch. I think mm-hmm. Smash Ultimate is something that we're definitely always been looking at Smash. Um I was just about to ask about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think that um Smash is a game that everyone's played too. Uh yeah. I think games that everyone has played are 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 important to kind of growing esports. And that's why Call of Duty was something that we looked at too, because like everyone has at some point touched Call of Duty in some way. Yeah. And I think the same is true for Smash. It's like one of those titles, like a Mario Kart or something like that. Everyone's touched in some way. We're seeing. Yeah. And everyone knows what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's easy to figure yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. I think easiness to fi- uh, viewability and accessibility to, to new fans is really important as we continue to grow. Yes, for sure. Not just for esports, but for streamers too. I think like the games that are very complex, you'll get your fan base and your your core audience obviously will follow you to whatever. But mm-hmm. games that are easier to understand, if you're just like randomly clicking through, I I think that easiness to view, like viewability and not too much complexity can sometimes be simplicity can be a beautiful thing. Um, in, yeah, that's in game my problem design. with Overwatch. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard, right? Watching Overwatch is just a disaster. <laughs> I love playing Overwatch. Uh, watching Overwatch, watching Overwatch, watching Overwatch can sometimes <laughs> be a bit tough. Yeah, there's just so much happening all at once, and then they click through everything, and it's just like I don't know. <laughs> trying to explain it to someone is very difficult. Like trying yeah. thinking about because I have to do these um like pitches and meetings, right? Where I have to explain not just esports but like the titles. Imagine trying to explain something like Street Fighter versus something like Overwatch or League of Legends to someone who has never watched any video game competitively or played anything other than maybe like, I don't know, Madden or something like that or FIFA or something, right? You're like, well, there's these things, there's a Widowmaker, there's a hamster that hits you. And they're all just like, what is this guy talking about? Yeah, yeah. You can see their their eyes glaze over and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's interesting. What would you say was the hardest or biggest challenge starting up your own org? Was it getting sponsors? Um no, that's not that's not too hard. I think the No. I mean, okay, no. That that it's pretty hard. <laughs> it it actually is pretty hard, but um, once you have the right group, it's not hard. So right. getting the right group and the the right kind of messaging around what you guys stand for as an organization and kind of the image that you want to put forward, and it has to be organic. Like I don't think you can force that kind of thing. I think it's mm-hmm. really transparent when you. At least to me, it's transparent when other orgs try to force like their this image that they're putting out there. That's why we worked with our players to like figure out what they're really into and infuse into the DNA of UIU, not just the interest of myself and like my co-founder, 
but also our players and and kind of culturally creating a culture around it that is like very easy to to then sell to sponsors and be like this is what um will be marketing your brands it's not just like about numbers at that point it's about a story and a narrative and that's something that's easier mm-hmm. to do the hardest thing really has been actually you know like what the hardest thing has been is like um when things aren't going well with players and just kind of oh. like interpersonal conflict resolution and then also when it comes time to contract resignings that that that's that's a bit tough sometimes when you don't end up resigning someone or they choose not to resign um especially after the relationship you've developed like working together yeah unless do you take it kind of personally i, definitely I would do. i definitely do yeah which i think i is something that as i go forward further in this career i have to work on mm-hmm. like getting a thicker skin about but yeah there was like after our our last like when contracts came up after first season i had to take like a week to recover <laughs> from Aww. from all the calls like of like hey so unfortunately we're not going to be able to offer you a new contract next year you know yeah because like you get a lot of the the high of getting to offer someone a contract and being like I know this is your dream and you've always wanted to do this. We're offering you this opportunity to do this. Like and they're so excited. That mm-hmm. is really balanced out by the the opposite end of things. Yeah. Or also like offering someone a deal and then someone else offers them a better deal and they decide to leave, which I can never uh mm-hmm. like hold a grudge. I never hold a grudge for a better opportunity, but it still like right. kind of stings a bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I always see like on your Instagram, you like hanging out with all your, all your people and stuff. Like, it seems like you really do create good, like, yeah, bonds with them and stuff. Yeah. So I imagine, you know, it's like friends being like, no, I don't want to be your friend anymore. Like, it's probably hard to just make the <laughs> distinction between yeah, that. It's more like, so it's more like they're, they're, they're telling me like, hey, so I'm going to be moving to a new school, I would say. Because mm-hmm. I want them to do well. Yeah. I don't, I obviously most want them to do well with us, but I just want them to do well overall for all of our yeah. players. And um, if they have a better opportunity out there, I always am like, hey, go go do that. If I can't yeah. offer you the same, whether it be money or like exposure opportunity, if I can help you, if I helped you get to this level, like I'm proud of that and I want you to succeed. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, that's a really good mentality to have, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I still, like, um, we have a player who didn't resign with us who just won this big invitational for Tekken um, for $60,000. And oh. the first thing I did was, like, reach out to congratulate him on, on Twitter and, and personally, not just on Twitter. <laughs> and then someone replied, like, oh, wow, that's really nice for an org to do that. And I didn't even think, like, why, like that that would be an unnatural thing to do. Maybe I guess orgs cut ties sometimes with ex-players but that's right. like someone who i have a connection with and i i i want to see um him succeed and yeah i was yeah. watching cheering for him like that doesn't that doesn't change mm. unless he's playing one of our players then i won't yeah. i won't be cheering yeah, for him of right course. but yeah <laughs> well i think a lot of people really put their ego into stuff so like somebody leaving their org they would just be like oh screw that person they yeah you know i thought they're, they're there's we were closer and, yeah. you know, it hurts their, bruises their ego. So they just wouldn't yeah. ever reach out to them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's good that you did that. 
Is there any um, anything exciting coming up besides your Apex team that uh, you're really looking forward to in the near future? Yeah, so we're expanding on the content side of things, the stream team side of things, which I think stream team is like a very undefined thing in esports. Mm-hmm. They just have them. A lot of teams have them and don't really know what to do with them or have like a, a good idea of how to utilize them other than let's get them have them you know represent our brand and our sponsors and let's add those numbers to our pro players numbers and then we can sell to sponsors for hire i want to create something similar to what we do with our pro players where we're helping them to get to the next level i want to take like streamers find out what their goals are what they need and what i can the access i can get as an org owner in in esports is actually different than someone like a solo streamer can get, which is Mm -hmm. in some ways unfair. Like there's certain things I can talk to maybe Twitch about, or I can talk to sponsors about, and then I can get everyone under the UIU umbrella, like, you know, whatever deal we have or perks or whatever. Right. So that's a way that I think stream teams are able to recruit and stuff like that. But I want to build something that's more of a, a group of individuals that, are trying to to grow themselves and really help them to get there. And something really exciting that we're doing is we tested this out last year without like much putting much backing into it or much like that much support, but we're going to put a lot more this year is really the travel aspect of it. So taking people and mm. traveling to these events and really um, getting to see, like I said, that 30 to 40% that is behind the scenes, you know, yeah. people eating around the city, just traveling. I think the IRL backpack and that technology is really interesting. I've used it mm-hmm. like a lot. I actually, cool. It, Twitch told me like, you're probably one of the few people who knows how to use this like really well because I had to, <laughs> I had to use one in Korea that was like in alpha. So I had to troubleshoot every possible thing that could go wrong. Oh my gosh. In a Korean in which I don't read Korean in in Korean, so I was like figuring it out. <laughs> but so like travel based kind of taking like uh travel vlogs and mixing it with streaming and IRL and like mm-hmm. really getting that out there. That's cool. I think that's also a really good way to um we were talking about making connections with the players and everything. Mm-hmm. That's such a cool way to see behind the scenes in a player's life that like otherwise they wouldn't see. Cause you know, everyone tweets only the stuff that they want you to see and stuff. So that really makes a very different connection Yeah. in terms of that. So I think that's a really cool idea that will go along with everything you were talking about as well. Yeah. I think, I think that, yeah, social media, everyone tweets or Instagrams the best parts of their life. Yes. And that can kind of <laughs> make for a, uh, like when you're scrolling through your timeline, you're like, damn, everyone's life is so great and exciting. And mine is like, mm-hmm. I'm just sat, I'm just sitting here in meetings all day. But, exactly. um, but I think it's good for people to see like the, the, the ups and the downs and the whole picture and know that these are like real people too. Um, like they're very good at these games. And they might be from different cultures and stuff, but there's a lot of similarities in what they may go through day-to-day struggles of, of certain things, mm-hmm. how they go through like their life. And I just want to make 
I've always wanted to make more connections between different scenes, not just in gaming, between like my old connections in music and entertainment, between the general public and kind of the core hardcore like audience that we have on Twitch and the game gaming audience right. and you know gaming so as a cool. whole is so much bigger than just esports so we need to tap into those people too the people who play mm-hmm. like on their tv and and a, and a playstation or xbox and they've never heard yeah. of like pc gaming or they've heard of it but they're never like really gone into getting a good never graphics checked card. out twitch or yeah, yeah. youtube gaming or that's anything. such a big yeah. market that we have to um start to go into like every time i go to a, mm-hmm. a target or walmart i know you're in canada so i don't What's the equivalent? Like Zellers? Uh, we have Walmart. No more Target. No more Target. They Target's tried. Gone. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, you know, I always go into that video game section, and I and I look at the people there, and I look at like the stuff there, and I've started to see now they have like Razor stuff there or Astro stuff. Uh. Um, they have like a small aisle at the Target nearby me in Atlanta. Right. That's like because they never used to have those gamer. gaming products. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll have like turtle, yeah. turtle, a few Turtle Beach things or like a razor mouse and keyboard and it's starting to kind of be a thing where it's like and you know what walmart actually in america there's a few that have opened esports arena like miniature uh kiosks inside where you can actually sit down it's like a mini land sensor and so they're selling like um gaming pcs i don't know how good they are um so you guys look up reviews on your own because i don't want to (laughs) <laughs> say that they're good and you guys go buy them but, remember they're from walmart yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so but they're selling like gaming pcs out of walmart now which like desktop wow. towers which is really cool to me yeah and for a casual gamer that's probably all that they would need yeah yeah you know if they're not streaming or anything so yeah and it gives them that chance to have that experience too to sit down and, yeah and and land or play with other people yeah very cool well, is there anything coming up for you personally besides your org that you're really excited for? For me personally, all like so much travel, like I love traveling. So that's a mm-hmm. good upside to this job is the amount of travel. Yeah. What a cool way to see the world. Eh? Yeah. I've seen so much of the world already because I moved around a lot as a kid. So right. get like a real highlight for me is getting to go back to places that I grew up in. So I like got to go back to the Tokyo last year and then again this year and just getting to so see nice. it again from a different, like completely different place in my life is great. Yeah. I want to go back to Singapore because I grew up there a bit and um, I'm really looking forward to London. Uh, I've lived in London before. I did like two years of studying there, not really like a, a, proper um study abroad thing but i just enrolled in university there i I just i just like did writing classes and creative stuff there cool so i'm really excited to go back to london for the cod event that's going to be out there Uh, amazing it's going to be really big i think yeah so traveling is is kind of the big thing although yeah I kind of miss like I kind of miss the stability of like just uh, I really don't <laughs> I mean, know you can I don't remember you can what never my bed win. is like I don't remember what my yeah. bed is even like what color I is know. it Yeah Yeah you can't have the best of both worlds I guess no, but unless you're Hannah I would Montana I'm exhausted <laughs> See those Hannah Montana tweets yesterday she's back Is she Or Miley Cyrus was like tw- like she did her hair like Hannah Montana I don't know what's going on but Oh <laughs> By the time this podcast is out, this this is totally irrelevant. But it was like trending on Twitter. <laughs> she was uh like singing the Hannah Montana theme song in her car, and like oh. 
And also the Migo song, Hannah Montana. And she's done her hair up like Hannah Montana. So then people are like, is this a reboot? Is this, uh, yeah. Oh. But I guess we'll have to wait and yeah. see. You can get the best of both <laughs> worlds if you're Hannah Montana. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Well, where can we find you? What's your Twitter? All that good stuff. So my Twitter is uh, UIU Drew. Twitch. Uh, so I stream when I'm at events with our, our team and stuff off UIU TV. Also, there's other stuff that happens on UIU TV that's not me. So it's not always me. It's always something to do with our org, though. Instagram is UIU Drew. Everything is UIU Drew pretty much at this point. No space, nothing like that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. That was a really, really, really fascinating kind of look yeah. in the back of all these gaming things and stuff. So honestly, I think that like esports and sh- and streaming is 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 so connected, and you guys are really kind of a big driving force and a lifeblood of what helps to to grow um, the esports scene. And so yeah. that's why I'm so connected with like your stream and other people's streams because I, I like to stay tapped into the pulse of like streamer culture and what's going on with streaming because it really is where a lot of our fan base is coming from and mm-hmm. I think it's important and I think it's important to always stay like connected to that um, it's, a, it's a big part of the culture and it will continue to be and everyone should go subscribe to Mop Garden and follow <laughs> Mop Garden too because it's one of my favorite streams it has been for a while and uh, yeah. thank you for having we me. We love having you. You're always very nice when you pop in. So Yeah. Well, it's like the it's honestly one of the best communities on Twitch. I agree. It really is. Definitely it agree. Really is. Besides the UIU community, of course. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. A huge thank you once again to Drew for coming on the podcast. That was truly very interesting and I'm so happy that he agreed to do it. Thank you so much for listening. If you are enjoying just chatting, you can help support the podcast at patreon.com slash Also, I just want to say a huge thank you to Ike About You for his immense support on Patreon. You can also sub to my channel, twitch.tv slash That way you get some really cute emotes. If you are interested in checking out any of the social medias, Garden is my Twitter and my Instagram and my YouTube. If you're interested in keeping up for updates of the podcast, Mop Just Chatting is the best way to do that. That is my Twitter and my Instagram for the podcast. If you could also rate us on iTunes, that would be incredibly helpful. Thank you so much for listening. Just Chatting is also part of the Geek Generation Network. If you're interested in checking out any more podcasts, you can head to thegeekgeneration.com and I'll see you in two weeks. Take care.